I've come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. I think of this quote sometimes um, when I'm doing things like baptismal prep or, or wedding prep with, um, with people who maybe aren't that involved in their faith, but they still have a hunger to have their child baptized or be married in the church or um, have their children enter catechesis and receive their first communion. Um, in other words, the great majority of Catholics who we don't normally see on Sunday but are still attached, who still consider themselves Catholic. Um, and that's a good thing. But I'll often ask them, you know, why do you want to have your child baptized? Or why do you want to get married in the church? Um, why are the sacraments important to you? And almost to a person, the answer is something like, well, I think it's important to be a good person. Or I want my child to have Christian or Catholic values. Um, which is great, but it's not really why we need the sacraments. It's not really why we become Christian. Is is primarily an ethical or moral thing. But that seems to be the heart of what most people see as the value of religion or the value of Christian faith, is that it makes us good, right? But it's not, you you don't normally hear, for instance, I want a a life-giving relationship with the living God. I want to know and to love Christ. It's usually about something I want to do, not something I want to receive from God or want God to do in me. And I think that, I hammer on this a lot, I know, but I think that it's one of the main, if not the root cause, of much of the malaise in the church, and therefore in the world, is this reduction of religion to values or ethics. It's a certain kind of moralism, which I've talked about before. In other words, it's kind of an acceptance of Christ's teachings, or at least part of his teachings, the teachings that kind of um, are copacetic with our own cultural values or what we see as good, acceptance of the other, getting along, being peaceful, forgiveness. But it's a rejection of his person. You see, it's a separation of the two, of like his example or what he said and Christ himself. But the object of the Christian faith is not teaching. It's a person. It's Jesus himself who gives himself for the life of the world and to each one of the individual believers who become part of his body, become like branches to his vine and receive all of our life from him. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He is the whole point of the Christian faith, of the whole Christian mystery. And it makes sense then that Christ in his life, if you read the gospels, is not particularly upset with immoral people. In fact, those are the people he most goes to, the prostitutes, the tax collectors. Those who have put themselves out of God's grace, those are the very people he invites to be his closest friends, even his collaborators, the people he gives the most responsibility to in the spreading of the kingdom of God. The people who he's he's upset with are who? Those who do not accept him, who reject his authority, who reject his person, those who are impenetrable to his grace, to his love. So moral weakness, actually, can be a help to salvation. It's those people who know themselves to be in need that are most likely to reach out for that need. I think to get to the root of the problem, we have to get to the root of the desire. What is it we're looking for as human beings? If we're honest with ourselves, 
It's everything. It's infinity. Name any good of the world that you could desire, whether it's money or pleasure or power or fame, comfort, security. Any one of those goods, you get some of it and you always want more. Imagine if if you're a money person. Imagine the amount of money you would need to be happy. If you got that, you would just want more. It's just part of the human heart that it desires infinity. And if we attach that desire to some good in this world, some finite good, it will always be frustrating. Because no matter how much of a finite good you get, it can never reach infinity. And the human heart, the human soul, is made for infinite love. It's the very imprint of God's own being in the world. We are the image of God. And so if our desire is infinite, we have to let someone else in. We have to let that infinity in. We can't grasp and accept, expect that our own efforts, or our own ingenuity, is going to be enough to get what we're looking for. So we have to kind of let our guard down. We have to kind of put our weapons down and let someone else in. And the root of all sin is this, refusing to let him in. He's knocking on the door of our hearts, and we just say, no thanks, I've got this. And Christ continues to knock, always, but we don't let him in. It's therefore our own weakness, it's our own limitation. It's when we confront, it's, it's sometimes it's not when we get what we're looking for that we resi- that, that we. Uh, Realize that we need Christ. It's, when we, it's not when we don't get. It's when we do get what we're looking for that we realize this is not enough. And the human, we, if, we, if we have the courage to listen to our own hearts, we say, who, who can answer this desire? Who can answer this need? But it's a double-edged sword, this weakness. You know, I think that part of the other reason why we settle for ethics or we settle for be a good person as the whole goal of the Christian life, if not life in general, is that it's a very, very low bar. Have you ever met a person that says, I'm not a good person? Almost everybody thinks that they're a good person because what it kind of implies is that I'm better than most people. Or I can find someone on Dateline or, or, or whatever on some true crime podcast that I'm better than. Right? There are really, really evil people in the world and at least I'm not that. But does that sound like what Christ is calling us to? I've come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. I'm looking for people who are zealously going after the one thing necessary in life that will shed everything else, every worldly good, and go after the thing that they're looking for. Soren Kierkegaard said, a saint is someone who wants one thing. And that one thing is a person. It's God himself. But our own sin, our own weakness, our own realization that we can't do that, we can't be saints on our own powers is sometimes what keeps us impenetrable to God's grace. We say something like, I can't do it, so it's not true. When we see what Christ is actually calling us to, the kind of greatness, the kind of generosity and self-sacrifice and love, we say it can't be true. That can't be possible. Jean Vanier has this great quote. He says, no man can accept his sin. He will either find excuses or he'll go away despairing. You must not reveal to people their sin, their poverty, without at the same time showing them that they are loved and that there is hope, that they can do better. If you show only the law, in other words, ethics, morality, if you show only the law, you crush, 
bringing despair and revolt. But if through all your attitudes you show how much you hope and believe in this person, then and only then can you show him what is not right. This is St. Paul in our second reading. He says, Let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the leader and perfecter of our faith. This is St. Paul telling his beloved Christians, I believe in you. Yeah, you're not perfect. Yeah, you're weak. You're immoral. You're sinners. All of us are. But I believe in you, and God believes in you. Don't let your sin, your weakness, be the occasion of hardening your heart to the person of Christ. Let it be the the fissure, the, the, the gap, the crack in your heart to let in the light, let in this one who believes in us, who sees who we could be, who sees who we actually are, the divine image, a unique instance of God's creative love. And not just somebody who's like, meh, I'm just going to try to get through life and not do anything really, really bad. I'm going to be a good person with good values. No, Christ wants so much more for us. And you can't follow his example. You can't be a good person. You can't be who you think you could be or God knows you, you, you should be without Christ. There's no separating his teaching and his example from his person. Only by letting him come alive in us through the life of faith, through the life of the church, the sacraments, can we ever become who we're meant to be. The good news is this, that no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, or how long or how much you've held him at arm's length, he believes in you. And he's offering you a new start in all times and all places, even right now.